This week on Intrigued Full Effect. So I just want us to know that it's okay to not be okay. Um, it's okay to receive the help that you need. And it's okay to open up about what you're going through. I'm Shandrea Thomas and welcome to episode 31. In this podcast, I talk about curious cases, disappearances and other stuff. And today I'm doing my first episode on other stuff. Finally, I'm excited to share some news about a new film from the awesome writer, director, and executive producer of Black Girl Blue. Her name is Cherie Solario. Now, I actually met Cherie while I was working on the disappearance of Phoenix Colden Project for Oxygen a while back, and she was on the production crew, and now she's doing her own thing. And she's actually doing her part to help women of color who are struggling with mental health issues. I had a long conversation with her about why she decided to do the project, and that conversation was deep. I'll also be dropping in snippets of the film throughout the podcast. This is what happened. All right, Cherie Solario, let me see. You are the writer, director, and executive producer of Black Girl Blue. And the name of your uh, production company, what is it? Is it 11 Stars Bit Studios? Yes, that's it. Wow. So thank you for joining me. Nice to see you. It's been a while since we've actually seen each other face to face. So yours is a face I love to see. <laughs> oh, thank you. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm oh, thank you. Okay, so my first thing is, um, I'm wondering, you know, where does the whole idea for Black Girl Blue come from? And, you know, where where did it come from? Yeah, so um, basically, I grew up uh, with uh, my favorite uncle. He was the person who was my refuge in my life. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. So my house was the one place where I saw the most people who looked like me. So um, often my outlet to you know express myself and be myself and be comfortable was film and television and um, my uncle was a person who I could always you know talk to about anything and um, he encouraged you know my film and television you know dreams and interests Um, so in 2016 he passed away and um, I immediately went into I'm okay mode so that meant that I was working three or four different jobs. I was in a media training program. Um, I was working freelance on other people's video and television projects. So I just bombarded myself with work so that I didn't really have to deal with what I was experiencing, which would, which was of course grief and it was very painful. Um, so about a year later, um, I talked to a friend about what I was going through, um, basically depression and, um, she said some things that uh, I'm sure a lot of people who deal with mental health challenges have heard before, um, such as you're ungrateful for being depressed, um, nobody has a reason to be depressed, um, or I, I like, <laughs> frankly, she said, I don't care what you're going through. So mm-hmm. um, for me, I was like, how could someone, you know, be so, so cruel? Um, And I was like, how can I keep other people from having to hear what I've heard or to feel the way that I was treated in that moment and afterwards? And I was like, well, maybe it would help if Black women were able to tell their story. So that's where the idea came to make a film. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the title, Black Girl Blue, you know, what are you... I mean, aside from the depression, I guess, but there's like a whole list of things I'm, I imagine that kind of fall into that. Yeah, so Black Girl Blue um, is just asserting that 
we are black women or we are black girls and we do have moments where we are you know sad where we're dealing with anxiety where we're depressed uh, where we're dealing with ptsd and we're not strong 100 percent of the time we're human beings just like everyone else so we're declaring that as much as people in our lives and in the world rely on us to be strong and to you know lift others up we need that as well Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the, the, the amount of time that you've actually been working on this project, was it a one year, two year? How long have you been, you know, kind of really pushing to get everything done? Because I know it's not the easiest thing to, to produce something like the way that you did. Um, and I know there had to be some money involved, you know, in all of that. So how long did it actually take for you to come up with the idea and then make it a reality? So it took ex- basically exactly two years. In September of 2018, I made a post on Facebook saying I have this idea for a film and I need some amazing black women filmmakers to help me make it happen. So I asked people to tag different filmmakers. So they tagged the director of photography who actually helped with uh, Black Girl Blue. So that's when things officially started. We have a very limited view of what we think mental health is supposed to look like, and it's relegated to images and media with straight jackets and maybe something like a jail or a prison or a crazy person. Like, it makes you seem like you're this inhumane person, like you just don't have any feelings or any emotions, and that's not fair. It kind of puts you in a prison, like, I can't feel and I can't express to you how I feel because you feel like I'm supposed to be strong and if I show you my vulnerability that I'm weak. I found myself in like this deep, deep sadness that I couldn't shop away, I couldn't eat away, I couldn't, you know, talk about it through my friends and sort of then move on. Um, But I found myself being, you know, it was hard to wake up, it was hard to function. It's still a struggle for me to be able to say out loud You know, um, I experience depression or I live with depression because there's still a part of me that feels a little weak when I say that. There's a part of me that feels like I'm gonna be judged, that I'm not strong enough to do this life. In November of 2018, I received a grant from the Regional Arts Commission to create the project or produce the project. And then um, July of 2019, I started a couple of fundraisers to um, supplement the grant and to um, make the film as well. So it started September 2018 and it was finished last month of this year. So two years. Wow. And how much How much did you guys raise? How much did it cost for you to actually make all of this happen? As far as raising funds, it was a little under $3,000. So about $2,800 is how much I raised through GoFundMe, PayPal, and that also includes the grant that I received from the Regional Arts Commission. And then um, I also received in-kind services from the crew. So they donated their time to help make the film happen. And that was probably worth about $3,000 or so. Wow, that that is absolutely amazing. Now, you know, I, when I watched the, the film, is, is it considered a short film or is it considered a documentary? Like in the film, in your realm, like what is it called exactly? It's a, it's a short film. Considered a short film. Mm-hmm. So um, it was really good. I watched it. I was very compelled by it. And I was really um, drawn into the fact that the women were 
you know, you have the, the medical fish, you know, medical people who, you know, the uh, therapists and things like that. But also, you know, just the, the openness of the women that you were talking to. I'm very curious how you were able to get them to open up so much because a lot of that, I mean, that's really personal stuff they were talking about. How did you get them to do that? So I think what it was, I've, I've been told that um, I make people feel comfortable, that, that they trust me and they feel safe with me. So I think that was part of it, but it was also um, during the media tra uh, training program that I was in and graduated from in 2018, um, I had to complete three short films. So they were four minutes or less. And um, all of the stories that I told, um, or two out of the three stories told very raw, painful stories. Um, one was about an organization that is focused on um, gun violence. So it was telling the story of how the organization began and the mothers who started the organization and um, how they lost their children to gun violence. And then another video um, was about a young lady who um, started a journaling workshop, um, a series of journaling workshops, and she wrote a book based on the different things she had went through, which was also depression and things like that. So they, I feel like they saw those stories and they knew that they could trust me with theirs. Um, because of the way that I told those. And then, um, I don't know, I, I guess it's just, I don't know, just something about, about me, honestly, that just people feel like they can open up. Yes, you're very comforting to talk to, Cherie. <laughs> it's very, very true. Very, very true. When you think about like mental health issues and the stigma and everything behind it and how like, you know, Black women, that's one thing I, I was really, I really kind of latched onto and was really focusing you know, when I was listening to all of it was like how they were saying like how we're supposed to be strong as black women. We're not supposed to, you know, really have, um, I guess, emotions like other people because we're the strongest ones who have to hold everything and everyone else up. So, I mean, do you see that? Is, is that like the one of the main messages? Like what is the main, I guess, goal or message of what you're doing? Yeah, the main message is that you don't have to be strong, um, a, a strong black woman. Um, it's impossible for you to be a strong black woman 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, because life is happening. And if you have situations that you um, like traumatic situations um, to just, you know, gloss over them and try to move on and act like they haven't impacted you isn't the way to go because you'll end up the way that I was, which was extremely depressed high functioning, albeit, but still, you know, depressed and in a, a deep, a deep, dark um, space. So I just want us to know that it's okay to not be okay. Um, it's okay to receive the help that you need. And it's okay to open up about what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the women talk about sex, sexual abuse, physical abuse. I mean, these are like some heavy, hardcore things, that, you know, that they were talking about. I've been, I've experienced some things that, that they talked about um, in my life. And I know that that contributed to the depression that I did experience um, because a lot of trauma comes from somewhere. Um, so I wanted to make it clear that, especially since that one friend told me no one has a reason to be depressed or you're ungrateful for being depressed. I just wanted to make it clear that this isn't something that people are choosing. It's not a choice. Um, it's a result of something for the most part, either whether that be genetic, but chemical imbalance, or just things that they've experienced. It's um, just a part of life. Mm -hmm. And it, it was really, you know, it's really something too, because some of the women were talking about like how they 
thought about taking their own lives and friends of theirs are taking their own lives. And, and, you know, I, th I think people kind of have this, this idea, I think just in general that if people they believe have it all, there's no reason for you to be upset. There's no reason for you to, to be sad and depressed. But at the same time, like you said, you never know people have hormonal imbalances or other traumas and things that we may not have any idea about that are showing themselves, you know, now, like people can have trauma maybe as a kid, and it starts to show itself, manifest itself. I've, I've seen that happen in people where things have happened to them when they were really young and then they've been able to, I guess, hold it in or however, you know, hold back or, or you know, try to forget what happened. And then it starts to manifest itself in different ways in their relationships and their lives and things like that. And it turns into something else. And then people, you know, can, can go into a drug thing or whatever. You know, there's so many different things that can happen with folks. You know, so I think it's really important for people to kind of get a, a broader perspective of, of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, de definitely. Because honestly, um, earlier this year, so probably two or three months into, into the pandemic, I realized, okay, I need to start going back to therapy because um, it was, I was feeling more safe, like indoors and at home. Um, leaving the house became a... Uh, uh, offered or brought a lot of anxiety for me so I, I actually went to therapy and started talking to the therapist about it and she basically pointed me to how everything I was feeling at the time was rooted to the times that I felt unsafe as a child growing up and um, specifically traumatic experiences that were still impacting me and just you know bubbling up to the surface because not only was the pandemic making everything unsafe um, but as well as, you know, African-Americans um, and police brutality was also another aspect that made things kind of, uh, you know, more anxiety ridden. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as black people, we, we stress, we got stresses. Yeah. We wake up in the morning and we have stresses that people don't even understand. Stresses mm -hmm. of going into the grocery store or stresses of going into a store and shopping and having people following you. Stresses mm -hmm. of people worrying about Oh, what's going to happen if I get pulled over? Stresses of, you know, oh, you know, we already have health. We have high blood pressure. We have all these other health issues and conditions that affect us even more so if, if we did, you know, get COVID-19. So there's all these layers of stressors that Black people experience every single day. And then when you add, when you add those things together, and a lot of times I think culturally people say, oh, that person, they just crazy or, you know what I'm saying? Or they just, you know, this or that, or, you know, oh, they just need to, you know, they should have whipped that child more when they were little or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, I think culturally um, we need to kind of open that stuff up more and really examine and see what's going on because, you know, there, there's an old way of doing things and then there's the, the way that things are now. I always say that we should focus on the root of things, like why, why are things the way they are? Like, why is that happening? So now you were telling me, um, I know you mentioned that you guys were working on, or you and the, the people, the group of people that you have surrounding you um, are, are working on um, getting funding to help people get like free counseling sessions. Talk to me about that. And how is that going? How many people have gotten help so far? And what are you ultimately trying to do with that? Yeah. So over this past summer, I launched the Black Girl Blue Mental Health Fund. And the goal with that was to offer two free therapy sessions up to $100 for five Black women. Um, so the goal was to raise $1,000 about a week or so into the um, fundraiser. We um, surpassed it by a little bit. 
um, through the donations from the premiere, uh, Black Girl Blue premiere, we were able to raise enough to help another, an additional Black woman. So that's six Black women. Actually, almost seven. I checked earlier. My goal is actually to be able to help as many Black women as possible, whether that's 100, 1,000, 10,000. So basically, I'm still accepting donations for the Mental Health Fund. And I, you know, would really like either, you know, someone to sponsor it or you know, just to help support financially, that that will be absolutely amazing. Are you targeting people in the St. Louis area? Because that's where you are right now. Or can it be someplace, you know, people from all over the country? Like, wh- where are you with that right now? Yeah, so now it's focused on women in the St. Louis area. It would be amazing to be able to, you know, extend it to other people across the nation. But right now it's primarily St. Louis and metropolitan area. All right. So, you know, let me ask you about this. So, like, the process of, of everything, because, you know, we worked on the, the Phoenix Colden project together, you know, for, for Oxygen Network. And it was, you know, I know you were, you, were, you were a production person behind the scenes. So you were always kind of, you know, well, you were awesome to work with. Um, so, so did you just kind of prepare yourself with all the, I don't know if you did internships or what you did to prepare for this, but how did you kind of get yourself ready to like take on your own thing? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I feel like it's been in the works for years. So we had a family camcorder and I would use that to either have my sister and her friend, you know, act in one of my movies or um, what I would really do was record myself singing and dancing and doing all these things on the camcorder when nobody was home. So um, I feel like I've always had this connection to the video camera career wise. I would say in 2014, um, I was a producer at STL TV help them launch a program. And that's when I really decided that I wanted to go back to, you know, my first love and what I was passionate about and enjoyed. And um, so that involved writing and planning a television show, a weekly television show. Um, I also helped some other people with their um, feature films as a production assistant behind the scenes. What really um, prepared me was the Continuity STL Media Training Program. That was a nine month program where they taught us video or film production from beginning to end. So from concept all the way to distribution. So we learned literally how to film, how to do lighting, how to direct, how to find, you know, subjects for your stories. So that's really where, where everything started. Okay. So now we get into the tea. Let's up. We went through some of the tea, but um, so as far as like what you're doing with your film, so it's 30 minutes long right? For those who have been able to see it. So what's happening with, with your film now? Is it you're putting it in different showcases and, and how can people see it? I guess it's the question. Yes. Yeah, so starting October 23rd, it is screening at the Black Hollywood Education and Resource Center's African-American Film Marketplace, which is also the S.E. Manley Short Film Showcase. So from October 23rd through November 29th, it'll be streaming or screening on their website, which is bherc.tv. Um, there are, you know, free panels and things like that, but tickets require a fee. So there are like three different levels of tickets. But from now and through the end of November, people can watch it there. And then, um, and then are you going to be submitting it to other like, you know, film festivals and things like that? Yeah, so I've also submitted to about five other film festivals. Most of the notification dates aren't until December of this year or early next year. So I'm just holding out for those and hoping for the best. (laughs) I'm on your team, Cherie. I'm on your team. I appreciate Uh, it. 
And so I'm going to say this right now. See, so you're, you're budding. You're, you, you know, you're, you're budding director, writer, producer. You're doing your whole thing. Did I get all your titles in Entry. <laughs> um, and so I just want to say that I'm, I want to make sure this interview exists in the future when you're making all these movies and all this other stuff you're doing. You can, you know, give me a call when you need to, you know, a news lady to, uh, you know, mm -hmm. do that anchor shot for you. So just Okay, I sure. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you think people you want people to take away um, for what you're doing and the and the importance of it? Um, I would just say um, be you know another main thing that I want to get across with the film is the importance of you know having empathy for people. A lot of times we look at ourselves from the outside in, and we uh, we're good at putting on a mask. I just want us to be more understanding, um, more empathetic, and, um, you know, just think before we let words come, of our, come out of our mouth. Thank you for joining me today, and, and I wish you nothing but the best on, on your journey, and I know you're going to be successful, and I'm going to be right there watching you every step of the way, so I'm totally on your team, so I will want to make sure that everyone out there remembers your name, remembers your face, because, you know what, you have a lot to do, and I'll be, you know, and I'm sure we'll all be paying attention to what you're doing, so you're doing some good stuff there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And thank you to all of you who are listening and watching right now. And until next time, be safe and stay true. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Intrigued Full Effect, Curious Cases, Disappearances, and Other Stuff podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the host. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The host of this podcast assumes no liability or responsibility for any activities in connection with opinions shared in the podcast. The podcast and blog associated with it shall not be used in any legal capacity or as a basis for expert testimony. Any copyright material in the podcast is approved by the owner or as part of the public domain. Music by Pond5.